Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hey, this is Shad. You're listening to Welcome to the Music. Awesome. Shad, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited uh, to uh, to have you on. Um, I think, yeah, the first time I saw you in concert, I th- I think, yeah, you opened for Canine a long time ago. Um, in Toronto, there was a show. That's, yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I think the place doesn't exist anymore. It's one of those lost venues. I think uh, there there might be a condo there now, but um, that was an amazing show. Yeah, uh, that like um, many years ago now. Yeah, that was. I have fond memories of that tour for sure. The Toronto date was in was at Cool House. Was it was it Cool House? It was. Yeah, it was near. It was near the water, just off, just off of, uh, just south of the Gardner Expressway. That was Cool House. That's right. It was okay. It was. It was at Cool House. Yeah, uh, which is yes yeah, now defunct. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's there. I do think it's still a like a big empty space or something. I'm not sure. It got demolished yeah. and turned into condos, but. Um, that was yeah. Around that time, there was a lot of a lot of shows. There it was a great room, you know. Like yeah, you could pack a good you know two thousand people in there and good sound. It was nice, yeah. Yeah, and anywhere anywhere you stood in that hall was was fine. You could you felt like you were like up close and personal. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was really good. Have Have you stayed in touch with Kanon? No. Um, and I don't know too many people who have, you know, he's been off the radar, right? Yeah. Um, he, he, yeah. So when we toured, um, waving flag had kind of taken off. Yeah. That, that big song of his, if people remember that, um, it was, it was quite a huge like international thing and it, and it took off. And, uh, then he put out an album after that. And then he, I don't think he's released an album since. Yeah. I heard he was doing movies or trying to get into movies or making movies or something. That's what I heard. Yeah. I heard he got into acting and writing and and things on like film, the film side of things, but no, we hadn't, we didn't really uh, keep in touch. And I remember around the time of that album, yeah, things were part of that tour. Rather things were really starting to heat up for, for him or, or, I can't remember exactly if they were starting to heat up or they had, you know, fully heated up. But um, I do remember like he was pretty busy on that tour. Like, it was, it was, it was full on. um, Yeah. Yeah. Fond memories of that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, that was a great, that was a great show. Loved, loved, loved that show. Um, As I was doing research and, and I don't know why I didn't know this. It seems probably everybody knows that you were born in Kenya. Um, yep. Do you, you must've come here when you were like a, a, a baby or. Yeah. Yeah. I came, I came here when I was a baby. So my family is from Rwanda. Okay. My family's from Rwanda. Um, and long story short. Um, yeah. I was born in Kenya. My older sister was born in Uganda. 
Where? Uh, Where in Uganda? Uh, she was born. Where was she born? I don't know exactly the city, to be okay. honest. Like, I think um, I'm blanking on it. Yeah. Because I mean, we never because we never go back. What is your family? Yeah, my family's from there. So my, my wife was born in Arusha, Tanzania. Uh, okay, yeah. But she grew up in Nairobi. Okay. Uh, my parents were from Uganda, from Bale. Um, Bale. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I don't know how far away from uh, um, Kampala it is, um, yeah, yeah. or the or the main airport, which is not in Kampala. I can't remember where the main airport is. Yeah, it's uh, in, in, in Entebbe. That's right. That's right. Um, so you you've never been back. So okay. So here's the thing: because my family is from Rwanda. Yeah. When we go back, we go to Rwanda. You go to Rwanda. Okay. Yeah. Of and course. My my parents retired and moved back, you know. Like, oh wow! Okay. So so we go back all the time, but we go to Rwanda now. We've stopped in Uganda a couple of times, yeah, because my parents were there for like at least a decade. They were there, right? So yeah, they probably left around the time uh, your wife's family left for your family. Uh, Idi Amin times, yeah, that's right. They had to go, yeah, yeah, and my had to go too. So, um, and, and, and we went to Kenya and that's where I was born. Okay. So anyways, long, long story short, we go back all the time, but we go to, you go to Rwanda. Okay. Been a couple times. And then for my 36th birthday, I asked my dad to take me to where I was born in Kenya. Okay. Just so I could see it. You know, yeah. we have no, we have no connection to there. My family was only there for two years. Yeah. Um, my parents were only, yeah, like we were only there for two years, but there's something about just seeing where you were born, you know, sure. I mean? like actual place where I was born, even though really our roots are in Rwanda, it's, there's still some curiosity for me. Of course. About, you know, city that I've seen on my passport and, you know, citizenship certificate or whatever for all these years, but never been able to see it. So anyways. Yeah, it was, it was the same thing with me. I was so... Uh, parents are in Uganda, 72, they had to leave. Yeah. Uh, and they went to, they went to England where I was born. Okay. Um, at, at a hospital of St. Mary's in Sidcup, England. Um, which means nothing to me, but you know, on, on one of the trips, you, you had to go to the hospital just, yeah, yeah. just to see it. And it was like, okay, all right, let's go. Let's go somewhere else now. <laughs> so here's a funny story. Um, there's a friend of mine here in Toronto. Yeah. And we've been friends for, you know, many years, known him around through friends of friends, hang out, whatever. Then I find out that his aunts taught in my mom's high school in Uganda. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. And so then he was sending me photos and I was sending them to my mom, but it wasn't exactly the same era. But That is uh, crazy. Yeah. You know that's Canada for you, right? Like, I, I got it. You, as you were telling that story, it reminded me of a story that my wife has. This was this was like awesome story. So, Barack Obama becomes president. Yeah, and you know we, we had all heard of Barack Obama, you know, prior to him becoming president. But as yeah. soon as that happened, my wife is going, 
that last name sounds so familiar. And she starts going through like old, maybe albums or, you know, talking to my mom Yeah. for, for one year while she was in school in Nairobi, there was, I want to say a German, a, a teacher that taught German or just a, just a, a teacher that just taught for one year. Maybe German was not in the, in the picture, but for one year, they had a teacher whose last name was Obama who just happened to be his half sister. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like three people removed from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, when he got elected, I, I, I was suddenly extra Kenyan when he got. You, were... <laughs> <laughs> you told people, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you were from oh, Rwanda. Yeah. No, no, from Kenya. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's and, hilarious. And, uh, Olympics, I'm, I turn up the Kenyan too. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Listen, congrats on the new album. Thank you. Um, that uh, I, I've heard about. I've heard maybe a half a dozen songs. Uh, there's two that I really, uh, two that I really, really keep on listening to. Uh, well, but congrats on it. It was done pre-pandemic. I, I've I've heard. Yeah, yeah. For the most, like it wasn't done, but it was all written and and mostly recorded. Um, and then in my process, there's like a lot of tweaking after that, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it was all written and and mostly recorded like, yeah, pre pandemic. There's just no rush rush to put it out in a, you know, non-touring time. Was, was that something you struggled with whether to release it or whether to like, just let me hold back because I'm not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Well, what it did was, um create a situation where I was just in no rush to do that last 20, 25%. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, as human beings, some more than others, but I think in general as human beings, we just need deadlines. And, uh, you know, when it's like, sure, you know, be finished. It's like, well, yeah, but like, does it really matter if I'm done in, you know, two months? No, not really. It's like, then I won't be done in two months, you know, like, <laughs> as how human beings are. So, um, so that's, it wasn't a struggle. It was more like that kind of situation. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Are you looking forward to going back on the road next year? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's like, um, it's what performing is what kind of, I don't know, makes it feel complete. If that makes sense, you know, like the whole experience of, making an album and putting it out. It's like, once you connect with people in a live environment around the music is when the whole experience of creating something and sharing it feels complete. You know, Hmm. there is, I still love just putting stuff out, you know, like I'm really glad it's out. It's, it, it it feels really good to share it in this, in this digital world, but something doesn't feel completely done about sharing it until I'm uh I'm sharing space with my people you know until yeah. I'm in that real in-person way so all that to say I am looking forward to it for sure yeah that's that's really interesting it's interesting you said that we spoke with a, a friend of yours Paul Chin yeah uh, I don't know how long ago we spoke but he had something really interesting to say uh, because he, he, you know, we talked about performing live and some of the stuff that he's been doing over the past, 
I guess, two years now, um, yeah. where, you know, he'll just do stuff over Twitch or YouTube. Um, and he says, he, one thing really struck me. He said that he, he, he was, he's found love in performing online, these online shows that he does. Mm. Because he says everybody that, that tunes into that wants to be there. Like a hundred percent, they want to be there. And he would talk about performing live before and people would maybe just show up or, you know, they just pop into a place and he'd be performing and not everybody was there to, to, to see him, to experience his music. Yeah. But he says now he says, I, he says he loves it so much. I'm curious whether or not you've had thoughts about that, whether you've performed online in the past little while. Yeah. Um, I haven't really done that, but I, I do understand his perspective. And um, it's kind of the cool thing about music now is is there's so many different, uh, how can I put it, um, lanes, you know, for lack of a better term, right? Yeah. And so I could understand that for artists like him, like he makes some, well, what he does is like really grounded in like dance music, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So totally I could see his experience of playing live being a mix of like, you know, people that are really engaged and in what he's doing, but also could just be party people could also, you know what I mean? Like it could be a real mix um, versus like my shows uh, because what I do is so grounded in like storytelling. Yeah. It's like, you know, usually if people are coming out to see me, it's like they're, they're coming to like engage in like, pretty pretty deeply you know they're not really coming for a passive experience you know yeah so i think that's like a little bit just the nuances of like what he does versus what i do but um and then also the online spaces like um my dj friends like him have found something really cool in the online concert sort of world you know like my friends that are on twitch yeah like it's like actually a really beautiful community around DJing. Yeah. Um, And I'm not sure the same thing exists for artists like me. Fair enough. In terms of performing online. I, you know, like you could do it, but there isn't that community. Like there is on Twitch. That's like really, I don't know. It's all these little funny intricacies and nuances of like, just different lanes, different artists and what they do and what exists online, what doesn't exist online and uh, just how the stuff evolves. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have just like not really bothered with the online performing thing. I've just felt like it's not quite, <laughs> I imagine it being right for me. Yeah. Or what you've, I do. People have asked you and, and you've, you've uh, people have asked whether you like, the live performance versus, you know, being in studio. Um, and, and maybe your answer is different depending on, you know, what's happening, but you've, you've answered in the past, you, you like the studio side of things. Um, mm-hmm. what, what is it, what is it about the studio or, or wherever it is that you, you know, uh, make your, your music that yeah is more home to you than on stage? Well, I think, um, if I had to, you know, think of myself and what I do 
in two parts, let's say, like writer and performer. Yeah. I would say I'm more of a writer at heart than a performer. Okay. Right? I'm more of a, I get more excited about creating than performing. Mm. I like both. Yeah. Um, but if I had to, you know, call that split, I'd say it's something like 70, 30 or something, you know? Really? Like, okay. I, yeah. I, I think I perform because I kind of like it. And <laughs> like, I just, I naturally write stuff in my own voice, you know? And it's just easier to perform it. Okay. And, you know, I've heard some different people talk about the same thing. Like I've heard like Louis CK talk about that too. Like, you know, it's just more um, efficient. It's more expedient. It's more efficient for him to just perform it. You know, just do it. Like, yeah, are in it, then try to get somebody else to do it. You know what I mean? Um, and I think there's an element of that uh, with me. So yeah, I, I think that what excites me the most is making stuff up. You know, interesting. Yeah, have you more ha- than- have you written a book, or is that something that you're looking forward to doing one day? No, I'm not. A, I don't read enough. You know, I'm not really okay. like literature enough guy. <laughs> All right. I, I like I like books well enough, but like the people I know that are really good writers in that form. Yeah. They read all the time. You sound like someone who reads all the time, though. Like your your lyrics, the, your, the they, themes you yeah. talk about. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I would guess this guy subscribes to like, you know, magazines and and yeah. reads every morning. Well, look, I read a lot of. I read a lot more nonfiction than fiction. Okay. When I think of reading, I think, I think fiction, I think like literature, you know, okay. people that are people that have some style without they do it, you know, yeah. without they put it down. Like I, I've always been, even as a little kid, I was drawn to nonfiction, you know, like when um, you had to bring home that little scholastic thing and, and order. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hated that. Like I was like, <laughs> And I literally would read the encyclopedia. Okay. Look at that. I would, honestly, I would read the phone book. I would read, um, I loved uh, reading statistics. Like, so all that to say, like, I read, but I, I'm not, I don't really consider myself a reader like the people I know who can write in that form. Like, they read, they read, they read fiction so anyhow anyhow all that to say i don't think i would um write a book but i would love to write for like performance but other people performance whether that's music or television or okay like that i think i would gravitate towards more than trying to write a book even a memoir i don't think i could do it a musical maybe and no, I couldn't write a musical. Okay. <laughs> I don't know plays enough. I don't know. Okay. like But I watch a ton of TV. I think I could write for TV. Yeah. What do you watch these days? Um, just finished uh, White Lotus. Okay. I've been keeping up on my succession. Um, but I went deep during the pandemic. I feel like I watched every single thing. Like, I hear you. 
I feel like I've watched, I've now watched every show. <laughs> every my son just found uh, Tiger King Part Two that just came out. I oh, guess what? today. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, I got to dive into that. Can you imagine that? That came out beginning of last year, but it feels like it came out years ago. Yeah, that's a real pandemic show. Oh yeah. yeah. Almost more than any show that I associate, I think everyone associates with like that's yeah, that's so true. Pandemic, yeah. That yeah. is so that is so so true. Um you, you know, before before you released the album, you released a couple of singles. I think like in the spring. Yeah. There was a couple of drops. Uh you released the album uh in October. Um is there, there there's a lot of uh you know, whether it's DJs or uh rappers or people in hip hop. You know, there's there's either people think, okay, I'm going to release an album. There's other people that are just, you know, every fortnight or every month they're dropping a single and there's no thought of like a physical album. Mm -hmm. How do you do you when you think of, you know, whether it was uh, your last album, A Short Story of a War or or this album, Tao, like what are you thinking when you release that? Do you is there a project, an album in mind that you're filling up or? Are there just songs that come out? Yeah. Um, for me, I need a, um, I need a bigger creative project to just like get me going. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, and it's cause I come from the album era, you know, so I'm still an album artist. And, but at this point it's like, I need that to like the idea of just making one song just doesn't excite me. Like, okay. I, I, I feel like I need, a bigger creative challenge just to feel excited about making music, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I kind of persist in that album mode that may or may not, you know, make sense. But what, what I think is true now is that, um, kind of like I was talking about before when we were talking about Paul Chin and myself, you know, Yeah. what I think is true now is that there's just so many different ways to do it. Like it's, it's not that the album is dead, but the, the album's certainly diminished, but it's not dead. Of course. It's, yeah. something that, it's something that you can do or not do. You know what I mean? Like you could be an album artist or not, you know, or a single artist. Like yeah. that makes sense. You know, it all kind of makes sense. And you, you sort of get in where you fit in, I think is, um, is the way, but it, it's, it's endlessly fascinating to me because it always changes. Like this album we put out, um, I think, five singles before the album came out, okay. which, I've never, which I've never done before. Yeah. Like, I've always put out one song, two, you know, maybe three. But um, I just feel like it's endlessly fascinating. You just try things because the industry is constantly changing. And, yeah. and by... I also just mean on a, on a super fundamental level, just like people's listening changes, right? How people prefer to listen just changes. And so you got to test it and see, you know? Um, and so I, I feel like I'm in that position every single time I put out an album, I'm never in a position where it's like, Oh, I know how it works. It's like, maybe I know how it worked, but like, you know, it's, it's changing. The industry has never been the same longer than like three, four years in my experience. Yeah. 
it has yeah. changed. It, is, it continues to change. It's it's mind boggling. Um, oh, yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, I want I want I want to talk about a couple of songs and the videos that go with them because that was that was that was interesting experience as well. Um, but the song work, uh, you got scratch bastard on that. Um, it was interesting when Greg was talking to me yesterday about that song. He says, as soon as he heard it, he said, scratch bastard. That's the scratch bastard song. Um, which, which was interesting to me. Like I, when I heard it, because I wrote down a notes and I go, it's funny. You said that I, I wrote down Nirvana. Like when I heard that song, I'm thinking about like, just getting like, just jumping up and down. Like, you know, like a Nirvana song, which wasn't the reason why I wore this T-shirt, but um, that's what I thought um, uh, about that. But you've got a you've got in the video. And I don't know if you've done this with with a bunch of videos that you that you release. You've got a, a, um, a screenshot of a text message. In there, tell me about what is that text message? You know what? I don't even remember. What the t- oh, I think I know what the text message is. There's um, lyrics of the song in there, but it's like you're yeah. you're talking to somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's literally me texting the director. Okay. Um, and he had asked me, "What are some words from the song? Like, if we're going to highlight some words from the song, like there's moments in the song where I'll just like flash one word and bold that's text. right. Yeah." Um, what words would you want those to be? And so that whole text message is just like, I was just going through the song in my head and I would type a word if it was one that I thought was like, I could imagine in bold. Yeah. And then decided to just include that text message is sort of like a, a nod to the lyrics, but also a nod to, you know, I guess just like digital commu- electronic communications and, yeah, you know, where that fits into the whole work and busyness conversation, you know? So, um, yeah, that's what, that's what that is. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Worked on that beat with scratch Bassett. I, I, um, I've worked with him a ton. Yeah. Like incredible DJ and producer. Um, and yeah, we were like, it's, it's cool that you brought up Nirvana because like, it definitely has intentionally has this like punk, industry yeah. um feeling to it and um the big drum break we sample is 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 from a rock band kind of like a prog prog ish rock band um and then uh the verses get stripped down to a very old school you know 808s and hi hats kind of yeah break right so um yeah, to to me, uh, it's got both of those because because it 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 harkens back to like old school hip hop, which started at the same time as punk, you know. Yeah, and and so those two scenes are kind of like they're 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 together in my mind. Like Interesting. Of punk and hip hop, especially in that era, they're close together in my brain. They sort of come out. Well, you know, you 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 worked on on the on the documentary. Did you feel they came out? They, they both are a response to the same socioeconomic plight of people. That that's that's part of it, and another part of it to me is just like aesthetically, 
they hmm. both came out they both came out stripping things all the way down hmm. right like rock music i don't know as much about rock music but rock music when i think about seven rock i think about like big yes like things have gotten led zeppelin queen um and not to mention like prog like you know 10 minute experimental blow you know and then punk brings it down to like three chords max and we can barely play those yeah And, and it's just it's all about the feeling and then hip hop is the exact same thing like 70s black music you're thinking about disco you're thinking about super experimental soul you know and uh with the strings and the horn hits and the you know and it's like no nothing strip it down to just eight oh and hit you know nothing um and at it just raw attitude like when we interviewed um russell simmons about um def jam he's like yeah we didn't even want we didn't want any melody in our songs whatsoever (laughs) like He's like, we hated that. We hated everything. We hated Michael Jackson. We hated everything. <laughs> and so, well, I that's think, the spirit, I think, right? That's the soul. It's the attitude, spirit. Yeah, yeah. Little punk spirit. So I feel like they both started from this really similar place of aesthetically rejecting the maximalism, you know, and mm. just like no, people are losing the point. It's just about what you have to say and style and attitude and yeah and um and so they're both together in my mind you know punk and hip-hop i'm like these are the these are kind of the same spirit at ball at their foundations yeah interesting that's that's, it's it's like that's why that song makes sense in my mind it might not might be strange to some listeners but to me it makes sense yeah for sure i mean i i hear it um, and then you've got almost like a totally different sound on Storm, um, yeah. which reminded me, and I'll be the first to say, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the biggest hip hop fan. Um, you know, I'll, I'll listen to it. I, I love it. I, I, it was, I was in New York maybe three weeks ago for work and uh, I got tickets to a, a private show that Anderson Pack did. Nice. Um, and I was, I was like, wow, like it just blew my mind. Um, and then I heard your song Storm and I go, that, that just reminded me that, you know, hip hop is not, you know, my first foray to hip hop was uh, Beastie Boys and Run DMC, um, which interesting enough, those two albums got me into rock and roll, um, wow. to, into rock music. But it, it reminded me that, you know, hip hop is not just that like there's there's more to it um and that song storm just just amazing song for Thank sure you. It, you know there's there's it's, it's jazz there's funk just amazing yeah um, thanks man yeah that one um totally you know like hip-hop is in a very interesting place now i think because it's almost 50 years old and so um the boundaries have just kind of burst open you know what i mean like anderson pack is hip-hop you know even though he's an incredible drummer incredible singer incredible <laughs> all-around musician but there's a big part of what he does that's like you know still pretty hip-hop you know yeah 
the 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 boundaries are just like they they just burst it open. You know, to me, it reminds me a lot of what eventually happened with rock music by like the '90s, where you have pretty distinct subgenres. That's right. You know, hip hop never really had that. It had regional sounds that that was a way you could describe different hip hop, but you never really describe rap music in terms of subgenres. Yeah. Like, but now I think we need that because it's just so big. You know what, um, what Lil Nas X does. Yeah. And what, uh, Eminem does. <laughs> are it is interesting. So, is, is so different. How can you even call it the same thing? You yeah. know, not, not like, um, not unlike back in the like in the nineties, like how could you call what Nirvana does and what um, Van Halen does? The same. Yeah, I hear yeah. you. I hear you. Yeah, right. It was like they had to kind of say, no, this is alternative rock. Yeah, you know, this is grunge. Or, or, this is yeah, yeah. Like uh, REM would be a maybe more stark contrast to like a Van Halen. Like they had to be like yeah. Let's call something else, okay? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, um, and I think hip-hop is getting to be in that place where it's like, there's great music that's being made, but let's not pretend like Lil Yachty and Black Thought are doing the same thing. You Interesting. Know? Like, these are very, very different things. And, and um, yeah, so anyways, uh, all that to say... Yeah, so I guess all all that to say, yeah, like Storm was is something that I feel like I could do. Like I can experiment with um that song's got like a weird time signature which is not normal for hip hop, but like hip hop is just whatever yeah. you want to do. And Yeah, no um, rules. And definitely there's no rules. There's no rules. You can do like a 70s funk odyssey with rap on it and spoken word and it's just like sure, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um I, I want I want to get to um, hip hop evolution, but I want to ask you a couple of things. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've ever come across that book. We still here? No. Yeah, it's 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 Who it's. Wrote Mark Campbell. Yeah, Mark, do you know Mark Campbell, Charity Marsh? I talked. I I I talked to Mark Campbell two weeks ago or last week. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I, I've never yeah. met him. I, I got sent the yeah, book. Never. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, great guy. I don't know if we'd ever met before, but a uh, great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Really important work. Um, I, I did. I want to, there's a couple of points I sort of highlighted when I was going through this book um, really early on in the book, uh, charity and Mark's uh, they, they write, the Canadian music industry is not overly invested in supporting hip hop music in any sustained or significant way. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? You're nodding your head. It's, it's, it's absolutely the case. I mean, that's just the track record, right? Like that's hmm. just the, if you look at the history, it is impossible to draw any other conclusion. Um, Drake was here. Drake was around. Drake was in these streets, you know, hustling his mixtapes. Hmm. There was no deal. There was no push. Right? Like, yeah. 
America pushed that. America pushed that. Yeah. Uh, to this day, when I go to New York or Houston, they play more Drake than Toronto radio. Really? Oh, without question. To this wow. day. To this day. But back then, it was definitely, it was like crickets. But down there, everybody, everybody loved it, you know? Um, Cardinal, like I've shared the stage with Cardinal like a million times and like, I'm sure I've seen no more than two performers in hip hop that are on his level. And I've played with Kendrick. I've played with everybody. Like Cardi is a generational talent. Wow. And and he was not pushed. I'm telling you, Cardi's the only guy I don't like performing with. I don't like it. It's not why is that? Because he destroys everything. <laughs> You'd rather sit back and watch. When I'm on a when I find out I'm on a bill with Cardi, I'm like, oh, like he's a generational talent, you know? And um Akon signed it. So let me let me ask you this because it's like the, the, the list goes on and on. It's like the, yeah. the industry just just never seems to be able to believe in like in the idea that the Cana- the Canadian people might really want to listen to hip hop. When whether it's Canadian hip hop or whether it's just hip hop stars. Yeah. Yeah, they they. It's just like they, it just is this disconnect, or they just don't feel like it will work, or something. You know, like they don't. Partly because there's so few people that work in the industry side. At least this was the case for basically ever. Might not be more, but was the case for basically ever. There was just so few people on the industry side that came from hip. Okay, right, like. So they couldn't see it. They couldn't, they couldn't imagine it. And, um, you know, so yeah, they, I mean, that's hmm. like, I, I don't, I don't think you can look at the facts and dispute that statement. That's really interesting. I thought, I thought, I thought you were going to, for some reason in my head, I, th- I thought you were going to disagree with it and, and sort of point out because to me it's like, um, like culture, like, Culture today, forget about music, but just culture today, the youth of t- it's like it, there's a hip hop culture that yeah. that we're living in, but like the music isn't being s- supported or. Yeah, I mean, if you look at so when I think about that word support, I think about, you know, what is the infrastructure that's in place to promote a hip hop artist across this country? Right. OK. And by structure i mean like what are the radio stations what are the promoters and concert venues Mm. Uh, what are the record labels what are the management teams what are the you know that really have a foothold that really have a and they just don't exist you know like there was a moment in the late 90s where there was like maybe two three hip-hop radio stations in the country but that's gone now. Um, the CBC now has like a show or two that 
plays a bit of hip hop, but that's a very, 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 very recent development. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was just no way to do it. Mm. Like there was the infrastructure was not there. And so people didn't really believe that it was possible. Um, it took numerous, numerous successes like Drake and Tory Lanez and the list goes on and on completely circum completely circumventing the Canadian industry. Yeah. Um, for people to, for that to change a little bit, you know? So, uh, yeah, cannot argue with that statement. Interesting. Fair enough. How did hip hop evolution come about for you? Mm -hmm. I just lucked out, man. Um, so the way that that project started, there's a company in Toronto called Banger Films. Yeah, yeah. And they made a they made a series uh, called, I think it's called Metal Evolution: Headbangers Journey. Yeah. That that's considered like the metal doc, you know? Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and so if I have this right, they thought, Hey, it'd be cool to do this in some other genres, you know? Uh, and so they, they pulled in uh, Darby Wheeler. Yeah. A uh, long time producer, director, w used to work at much music actually as well. And, uh, produced um rap city for many years and stuff programmed that show and they pulled in rodrigo baskunin who um started and edited a magazine called pound magazine that was like super super dope hip-hop magazine out of toronto okay with its own voice and style very very cool magazine and uh those two guys invited me to host and uh my memory of that meeting, like I took the meeting basically on the strength of those two guys. Like, cause I, I just, you know, I respect those guys a lot. Yeah. And, um, but my memory of that meeting is like, as they were talking, it like suddenly occurred to me, this was like around, this was early. This was like around 2012 when we had this meeting. Oh, wow. It just occurred to me, like the thought occurred to me that like, wow, like this document doesn't really exist for hip hop like on film and if it doesn't happen soon a lot of these pioneers aren't going to be here mm. and that those thoughts occurred to me like I, I really actually didn't think I would do it I was just taking the meeting because like I respect those guys a lot yeah. you know but um, that clicked something clicked for me where I was like yeah this kind of needs to be done now like it needs to be done and it needs to be done soon. And, uh, and it would be really fun. So let's, you know, yeah, I'm down. And then as it goes with TV stuff, we got a green light like a year and a half later or something. Okay. And, uh, started filming and we only thought we would make one season. That was the plan. Yeah. Or, or the, at least the content that's covered in the first season. We didn't even know it would be like a season. We thought maybe it'd be like a two hour film or whatever, but okay. like, All right. in, in any case, like it was supposed to be about the origins, right? Yeah. 
Um, and then after that came out and um, got licensed to Netflix, they Netflix became interested in making more. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was never the plan. Yeah. But uh, that's how it unfolded. And so it's been like a really cool journey, you know, um, I, that I, I certainly feel like I lucked into. Were you always a student of hip hop or did you quickly have to like, I better, I better study up on this thing. Yeah. Well, I was learning the whole way. Okay. You know, I don't know if the show makes it look like I knew more than I did or whatever, but like, I really was going place to place learning. Wow. Because the era that I came up in, it's like, how could you learn about Memphis hip hop? Mm-hmm. Like it was yeah. yeah. And then, like, how are we supposed to, or even in the early 2000s, like it was very difficult and, and, and everything was so regional just in terms of taste. Right. Like, yeah. If, you know what I mean? Like you and I, I think are like of a similar age. It's like you, when we were growing up, it's like, you kind of have to like what you like. You're not allowed to like everything. <laughs> yeah that's a recent development that like yeah, people are so true, you know, musically you're allowed to like everything. So I really was learning, you know, I, I, I didn't know about Miami hip hop history. Yeah. Um, so I was learning, I was learning the whole time, which was fun. Super fun. Nice. Was, um, you obviously met your in, in air quotes heroes, but was there, one person where you were just nervous as heck that you were going to speak to this one rapper, this one, one musician that never in a million years. Did I think I would meet them? Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a few, you know, like Q-tip. Okay. Didn't think I would ever get to meet Q-tip. Um, and Ali Shaheed, KRS-One. Mm. Um, and then just like certain artists that are just beyond music, like, like beyond music, there's just these figures, you know, like, okay. uh, like, like Diddy, you know, um, or Ice-T, you know, like they, they've like transcended, yeah. like they're just like figures now, you know, yeah. and they, they'll always represent hip hop wherever they go, but they also have done so many other things like. Oh yeah, it was it was endless in that way. At, Atlanta was so great; like we we got to connect with every basically every single person. Wow, um, that we that we wanted to connect with in LA, like um, all the the organized noise of producers that you know behind Outcast and Big Boy and CeeLo uh, and Goody Mob and you know the list goes on and on. So it was, it was endlessly like that, man. Um, super cool meeting all these folks, some, some heroes, some, um, some like a little too before my time to be my personal heroes, but okay. like legendary figures within hip hop, you know, uncle Luke in Miami, like is like super important figure. Of course, a little bit, you know, 19, 19- 87 i was you know five years old no one's letting me listen to two live crew but like yeah yeah 
you know, I, I understand he's super important to hip hop, to Southern hip hop, to music really in general with the whole free speech battle. Um, so yeah, it was like pretty cool in that way. For nice. Sure. When we had, uh, when we had Darby on, we asked him, um, you know, if you could, what, what episodes are missing? You know, what episodes did you wish you had time to do? Um, and in my naive head, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to talk about Canadian hip hop, but he went straight to Europe and he talked, oh. there's a huge scene out there that you know, he's, he was saying that that story needs to be told one day. Yeah, um, yeah. For you, what, what stories, um, if you could, what stories would you like to tell? What episodes so would you like to make? Yeah, so to me, in terms of like um, the time periods that we covered, that, but like we didn't cover these particular stories within them, I think of, my mind goes right away to regions that are like a little bit off the radar. And so there's not an easy narrative to pull them in, you know? So I'm thinking about like bone thugs. Oh yeah, of course. Right. That, um, their influence carries to this day, but because they came from Cleveland and it's difficult to, what they were doing was so different. It's like from a storytelling standpoint, I think it's, it's kind of hard to wrap them into the rest of our series, you know? Yeah. So they, so they end up getting left out or, um, Nelly in St. Louis would be another example. Um, I think of, uh, but but what comes to my most actually is all the artists from New Jersey. Yes. Because when you're thinking about the story of hip hop, of course you think about New York. And there were these scenes that, you know, make it easy to tell a story, you know, like Native Tongues. So now, you know, if you're talking about native tongue story, like we did, it's like you can touch on tribe and De La and jungle brothers and Queen Latifah and Mona yeah. Love, you know, but then New Jersey is a little bit outside of that, but you got have these artists like Fuji, like the Fujis. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, of course. Right. Or, or naughty by nature. That's so huge, but they're just like, where do they fit within the narrative? It's, it's hard to find a place to, I'm with our show, right? Like, yeah. So, um, not that I write the show, but I, I'd imagine those were some of the challenges, right. Of trying to fit these really important groups like the Fugees or naughty by nature or bone thugs into the story, you know, and I think it's because, you know, there's no, um, yeah, there's no overarching narrative. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were kind of doing their thing. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Um, so those come to mind as far as like artists that are within the time periods that we covered, but we didn't get to really touch on them. Slick Rick is one that stands out to me because he's often cited as an influence. I do think he's one of the major, major influences on MCing. Okay. Um, and we didn't really get to touch on him, but we touched on a lot of the other ones like Rakim and Big Daddy Kane and yeah, yeah. Red, that whole generation, Chuck D. Um, 
And then if we were to go forward, um, there's a lot. To me, Darby would want to go to the to England and it would be his decision for sure. My vote would be to go to the internet. Ah. And and look at how things changed um online, you know. Okay. Soldier Boy. Yes. Will be, um, you know, some of these people that really through, you know, whatever the online platform was at the time, SoundCloud, um, YouTube, ringtones, you know, like all this stuff changed hip hop. Interesting. In some really fundamental ways. Like I think Nas's Illmatic became the blueprint for what artists wanted to do. Like they wanted to make a classic. And then I think what happened with SoundCloud and some of these platforms is that that ideal got shattered. Mm. And because there were artists that are like, oh, who cares about making a, a classic? I'm going to upload 40 mixtapes this year. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> you know, because you can. Because <laughs> you can. Yeah. <laughs> and that to me just like broke the mold. Yeah, that is so true. That is so true. Shad, I'm, I'm looking at the time. Yeah. Um, I we, I know we don't have a lot, and I, I, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, is it yeah. okay if we go f- over a few minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I gotta go in like ten. Okay, I'll I'll make sure I'll make sure we're off. Um, yeah. I I think there's there's like a, a another you know whether it's another CBC radio show or a podcast, just your voice and the way you articulate yourself, like. I'd listen to anything that you put out, to be honest with you, uh, for sure. Um, but I, I want to get to um, I want to get to a lost venue. Yeah, uh, we have a segment, you know, lost venues where we talk about a place no longer exists, but you've got fond memories. Maybe you've got weird stories from there. Is is there a lost venue that you that you think fondly of? Oh, so many. Um... Well, maybe not so many, at least a couple and definitely, you know, post COVID. Of course, there's, there's a couple, but there's one main one that comes to mind in my hometown of London, Ontario, place called the embassy hotel. Okay. And that was where I played, uh, what I consider my first solo show. Um, it's my first show after uh, my first album was done. And I think I played my first show period there too. Saw my first rap show there. All right. You know, just, yeah, like just an important um, venue in London. Um, If you know anything about London or your listeners know anything about London, it's like, it's a wonderful place to grow up, but like, you know, the, the, the music scene, live music scene, um, it was small. There wasn't a lot of spots called the office. Also, rest in peace. Super legendary venue in London. Really the legendary venue in London. Um, Radiohead played there, like all sorts of wow. tiny, tiny club and Radiohead played there. But but the Embassy Hotel for me personally is like a major one. Saw my first rap show there. Played what did you see there? Far side. Okay. Yep. So, uh, saw my first rap show there, played my first rap show there. 
that is where the independent scene, hip hop and other genres really was when I was starting. So if I wasn't, you know, playing all my first shows there, I was going to all my first shows there. Um, very important venue at a very important time for me personally. And uh, super sketchy spot. <laughs> Sketchiest part of town. But like did all ages shows and felt safe for kids, you know, in yeah. a weird way in a weird way felt like a very safe place. Uh, maybe not physically, but in like some other sense, you know, in some, sure. like, <laughs> some like spiritual sense, it felt like this was home for like music lovers. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's at the top of my list and it, it's cool. Actually it's become, it's becoming, I think it's opening soon. It's becoming like a uh, affordable housing. Oh, base okay uh so that's cool i'm glad it's uh you know the good the the better parts of it are living on it was really sketchy yeah but the good kind of spirit of it continues in in that way but that's my lost venue i always got to shout out the embassy in london super important spot for like my little uh cohort of nice music london yeah that is awesome um to wrap it up uh, this is Greg's favorite question. Uh, what's what's in your earbuds these days, Shad? What what are you listening to? I'm listening to an artist named Cleo Soul. Okay, from the UK. Uh, she put out an album called Mother. That is definitely my favorite album of the year, hands down. Haven't stopped listening to it. Wonderful, wonderful soul singer. Uh, she's also in a group called Salt. S-A-U-L-T. Okay. You're going to love this. I'm telling you. All right. You'll probably listen to Salt. You, from what I've heard from you personally. Okay. There's, they have an album. I would start at the beginning with their album. They have an album called Five and another one called Seven. And if I would recommend you start there. I will, I will go listen to Salt. S-A-U-L-T. S-A-U-L-T. So... Cleo Soul is in that group, but her solo album came out this year and I've just been stuck on it, you know, for the last four or five months. I think someone has recommended Salt before. That that rings a bell. Yeah, they are, uh, they're basically the best, yeah. Okay, all right. I'll take your word for it. As, as, as soon as we're done, I'll, uh, I'll jump on the, uh, on the onlines and, and, and check that out for sure. Thanks. Shad, this has been a treat. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck with uh, the album. Uh, great music. Everybody should check it out. And uh, best of luck next year going on tour, going around around the world. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Take care. Peace, man.